Thank you guys for coming this morning. Welcome. You can go ahead and turn or scroll, uh, depending on your age, probably to Luke chapter 10. All right. So we're in the fourth week of a series we're calling Propaganda. Okay. We're getting close to finishing this. And so the KGB coined that coined a term disinformation, okay, and we're surrounded, inundated with disinformation these days. The propaganda that we're, that we're looking at today, the cultural narrative we're looking at today is this great American idea that a busy life is a good life. That's not true, all right? So uh, this is really in some ways kind of a 2.0 or a second part uh, of what I preached on two weeks ago, the clear eyes, full heart, can't lose, and we talked a lot about that. You can go look at that later on uh, August 29th, I guess it was. So kind of a continuation of some of those ideas. So the outflow of a ton of the disinformation or the propaganda that we're hit with today just sort of naturally overwhelms us. A lot of stuff that we're hit with, the cultural narratives that come into our heads and our hearts, naturally the outflow, the outcome of it is a too busy life. Uh, Cultural narratives like chase your dreams, find yourself, you can be anything you want to be, chart your course, all these things, okay, just sort of naturally exhausts us. Ideas have consequences, okay? So in the end, it just kind of ends up with us just being too busy and exhausted. So today... In Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at a woman named Martha who loved Jesus, mind you, but she was just kind of too busy and distracted to sit and listen to him, okay? Uh, We'll see a person who is so wound up doing stuff that she's anxious and she is stressed out, man. So, you know, the text says today that Martha was distracted, and we are a distracted bunch. You think about all the noise we are surrounded with today, 24-hour news, texts, news notifications, emails, social media, catching up on our shows, which is... A hilarious thing for us to say, but you know, in 1985, a few years ago, Neil Postman warned us that we are amusing ourselves to death, and no longer is it something that we can laugh at or be funny. We literally are doing it by distracting ourselves all day, every day. A friend of mine wrote a parenting book uh, not long ago, and as she prepared for it, she got a, a few teenagers together and asked them, what's one thing that you're that a friend of yours' parents does that you wish that your parents would do with regard to technology. And one of the girls uh, piped up and said, you know, I, one of my friend's moms takes her phone every night at 8 p.m. and doesn't give it back until the next day. And I wish that my mom would do that because I just feel so tired all the time because I'm always having to respond to texts and Snapchat, all these things, and I'm, I never get enough sleep. And so teens feel, and all the rest of the teens kind of piped up and go, yeah, man, that would actually be great. Counterintuitive to what we might think they would say. So teens feel even this real stress and anxiety, this need to always be connected and available. Uh, Have you heard of nomophobia? Anybody? Uh, It is, uh, many of us suffer from it currently. According to psychology today, nomophobia is the fear of being without a mobile device or beyond mobile phone contact, and it's on the rise. Uh, An increasing number of college students shower with their phone, okay? The uh, one study showed that most college students would rather lose their pinky finger than their phone, okay? You guys do what you want. All right, so I saw in USA Today that 87% of people uh, scroll on their phones while they watch TV. So we are even distracted from our distractions now. <coughs> Courtney, okay, she's not in here. You can tell her later. Y'all, every night I have to, I have to rewind. We got to rewatch episodes because, anyway, it's fine. I love her. Uh, she's my person. So now, I don't have to remind you adults that you, know, you have 32 unread emails to get to, or, and that you have to run by the store on the way home from church while you call those three people back. I don't have to remind you of that, right? So we're busy, man. We're beyond distracted. We'll see today, too, that Martha was a workaholic. Work is good, but she was a workaholic. Martha was busy, 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 man. She was so busy 
tidying up and preparing and serving that she missed Jesus. Man, so why are we doing this to ourselves? Even kids these days, they're, they're busy and even on you know, school nights, they're scheduled down to the half hour. They come home as tired as, as grown up. So let's look at Luke 10, 38 to 42, the story of Mary and Martha. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and just listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, and she said, Lord, do you even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about so many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So this story starts with Jesus and his disciples being, quote, on their way and stopping in on the village where Mary and Martha lived. Now, he was very close with Mary and Martha. Okay, he loved them dearly. You know, in another part of the scriptures, uh, their brother Lazarus died and Jesus wept. Remember that story? And then he raised Lazarus, their brother, to lie. He was very, very, hadn't had a special friendship with this family, very close with them. So when Jesus rolls up, He's tired, probably a little bit hungry. Uh, you know, he had been, all day he had been preaching and sending out missionaries and do, doing ministry. I don't know if you've heard of the way that pastors nap on Sunday afternoons, but it's a tiresome thing he had been doing all day. Okay, don't feel sorry for me, but he was tired, I imagine. Okay, and he didn't have a car handy at the time. He could have made one, but he didn't. And so he had just walked several miles after doing ministry all day to be with, this, to be with his friends. So he gets to their house, he's tired, and Martha welcomes him in. I imagine Martha here, she, she kind of comes to the door. And she's all nervous because Jesus is coming and everything just kind of has to be perfect, okay? In verse 39, we see that Mary, her sister, just sort of sits at his feet and soaks. The world passes her by as Mary just sits at Jesus' feet and enjoys a personal Bible lesson in her living room. But then verse 40, we read, but Martha, okay? While Mary's soaking all this up, and enjoying Jesus, but Martha comes back in and verse 40 says she was, quote, distracted with much serving. She was distracted by serving Jesus. Am I reading that right? Uh, she wasn't distracted in the back room because she's Snapchatting an ex-boyfriend her dad hates. She's not like the, the kingpin of a drug cartel and she's dodging God's commands. No, she's distracted by her own busyness. She's more focused on serving Jesus than Jesus himself. So Martha's fuming, right? She's ticked off. She's back there working by herself, working at the bone. Everybody's out there enjoying Jesus and just having a party. And she's like chopping up lentil soup and all this kind of, she's doing all this stuff. And she goes back into the living room. She storms over to Jesus. And I imagine her foot just kind of tapping because she doesn't want to pop off at the son of God, okay? And then she asks a very revealing question. Do you even care? Look at verse 40. Lord, do you, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help then. So us, man. God, have you even bothered to notice what's going on down here? I mean, I'm working my tail off. I'm serving these kids. I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. Are you gonna help? God, are you there? We do this, right? Lord, hello, you paying attention. I'm being good. Now do something, right? I have uh, three simple, observ- really simple sermon today. I have three simple observations from the text and then we'll look at two applications at the end. So here's my first observation as we get into the text today. Busyness holds me back from hearing God. When I'm busy, when I'm distracted, when I'm going, 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 it just naturally 
prevents me from hearing God. Jesus is teaching in her living room and she's in the back working. I don't know (laughs) when she says this, like tell her to help me. I don't know what she's expecting here, right? Does she think Jesus is gonna be like, you know what? You're right. Mary, grab a broom. Peter, John, get to work, man. We gotta get going. Show me that you're willing to work. Let's go. You know, how exhausting and frustrating a life to constantly be so busy serving Jesus that we never get to really enjoy Jesus. Um, The Bible says that God lavishes his unconditional grace on us and love on us. He doesn't, you know, make you earn your forgiveness or his love. He gives it freely and unconditionally, the Bible says. I think this day, I think Martha missed that. She was distracted by serving and just kind of busy, 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 busy. So, and I really believe this, man. No other people in the history of the world have ever been busier or more distracted than Americans in 2021. Okay, you and I have a problem. Most mornings we drag ourselves out of bed, start the day's routine, and hope against hope that we can just hold our ground. Maybe we can keep the house in a mild state of disaster today. Maybe the inbox will somehow get less full. Maybe the homework will just magically disappear, students, right? But we all remember, it wasn't that long ago, when the whole world stopped in March of 2020. The whole world stopped last year, and I had conversations with so many people saying stuff like, you know, man, I'm not, man, I'm not gonna go back to the way my life was just so jam-packed and was so overcrowded, overscheduled, all this stuff, but guess what we've all done? Because it's in our heads, it's the way, uh, it's the water we're swimming in. We're overworked, overscheduled, stressed, and overwhelmed. Why are we choosing this kind of life? Uh, busyness is like sin. Okay, kill it or it will kill you. Um, you know, for a lot of us, I think most of us in the room, not all of us, most of us in the room, it isn't like the Hollywood sins that uh, choke out our faith, right? It's all the worries of life, man. It's the daily grind, the urgency of every moment kind of boxes the spirit of God right out of our day. You got car repairs, the hot water heater goes out, the kids need to see a doctor, that extension on your overdue taxes is about up. You have a test tomorrow and the next day and the next day and then a paper. Uh, You promised your mom you'd go see her. Your fridge is empty. Your lawn needs mowing. This is life. For most of us, right, and it's choking out your spiritual life. How many moments of pain are wasted because we never sat still long enough to learn from them? How many times of private and family worship have been crowded out by school projects and just the busyness of your daily life? We need to guard our hearts. And all the stuff I just listed, you need to mow your yard. Those are good things to do. You need to take your kids to the doctor when they say all these things. But the dailiness of life, the grind of our days, oftentimes just God goes to the back burner. And that's where the good portion is, we'll talk about. Some of us are busy because we think that getting more money, more prestige, more power maybe will finally satisfy. All right, we're so busy trying to pay bills, trying to, trying to get out of debt, trying to get more, trying to make a living that we don't make a life. That's some of us. Some of us are busy because we're people pleasers. Okay, um, I want you to think, if you're a people pleaser, why do you say yes to most every request? Why? What's under that desire? Because if you're saying yes to something, we know you're saying no to something else. So like doing the cookie drive so that you can love others is one thing, but doing the cookie drive so that others might love you is quite another thing out of your heart. So you might have the reputation for being the nicest person in the whole entire world because the operating principle of your heart is to be known as the nicest person in the entire world. And that's what you're operating out of. So if you find identity and the fact that you do a lot and serve a lot and you're busy, so you must be a good person, you're gonna find, you're gonna constantly find yourself having to do more. 
And that's not what the gospel declares. The gospel declares that it's already been done. You're not good. Jesus is good, and he took your place. And, you know, if it defines you, it won't fulfill you, except for Jesus. He's the only one there. The world says you're loved because of what you do, but Jesus says because you're loved, now you can do all things. And that's the propaganda, that's the propaganda versus the truth. The world says you're loved because of what you bring to the table. Jesus says you're loved, that's settled, now you can do all things. It's a totally different way to live. One leads to exhaustion, one, le- one leads to life. So, you know, kind of easy, lazy preaching is just pounding away at more, right? Y'all need to give more money. Y'all need to serve over here, for goodness sake. Somebody helping the kids' ministry. Like, y'all need to get on, get on it. Come on, let's go. So what I need you to understand as we approach verses 41 and 42 is the harmonious teaching of striving for excellence at your job and really working, like really working hard and striving for excellence in your life as, or as Colossians 3 says, working heartily as for the Lord and not for men, okay? And how, you know, whether you're making sandwiches or whatever you're doing in your life, being a parent, whatever you're doing, to work with excellence and how that works so harmoniously with trusting Jesus and getting real rest and, and fruitful idle time. Anybody here tired, man? How often... You know, somebody, yeah, everybody's hands go, yeah, amen. We can confess in this room, that's good. So how many of us in the past seven days, somebody said like, how are you? And we've said something like, I'm busy or I'm tired. That's just kind of like the way. So we need to notice what we're saying as we find these narratives throughout our lives. So um, here's some good news. This morning I have great news for each of you, okay. God loves you so much that he commands you to rest. That's how much he loves you. His people, the Israelites, uh, they were working seven days a week, 365 days a year. They didn't get a summer break. They didn't get Labor Day off. They didn't get a Christmas break, nothing. Just doing back-breaking work, exhausting work, day in, day out in Egypt, okay? And then God rescued them out of that slavery, and he didn't just say, hey, it'd be good if you took Sundays off. He said, you have to. I command it. He made it a commandment for them to take a day off. And in time, Jewish people made that rest into work. Okay, so if you've ever been to Israel, uh, you, you've seen this, what I'm about to describe. So on the Sabbath day there, man, everything shuts down. Um, like you better grab some bread because like it's this whole thing. Like in hotels, and I've shared this before, but in hotels, uh, there's always two elevators. One stops at all the even floors and one stops at the odd floor so that you don't even have to push a button because that is work. And we don't work on the Sabbath. You know, they cook their food the day before. They, they tear their toilet paper the day before. Like, this is, I'm telling you, this whole thing, don't do any work on the Sabbath. That's what God said. Well, you know, so my family was in Israel, I don't know, 20 years ago or so. And, you know, as Gentiles were out and about, you know, just kind of walking around on the Sabbath. And my dad was going to ask this guy a question. And he was asking for directions. And the guy, because my dad was making a request on the Sabbath, the guy spit on my dad and yelled, Shabbat. My mom started crying and says, to me, it was the most hilarious thing that could have happened that day, okay? But that's the, that's the feeling of Sabbath in Israel. It's this, I think they've made it more work to not work. It feels oppressive, to be honest with you, that you can't do anything. You better tear your toilet paper. Okay, this whole thing the day before. And so they've added all these laws to the law. Like, what do you do if you don't? Okay, anyway, so they've added all these laws. They've made it so burdensome. But here's what Jesus actually wants for you. Look at verse 41 again. But the Lord answered her, Martha, 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 you're anxious. Martha, you're troubled about so many things. 
So Jesus' response by saying Martha's name twice denotes that he said it pretty emphatically. Not that he's rebuking her necessarily, maybe, but so a proper rendering in the context is, hey, Martha, hold up. Martha, do you hear yourself? You're anxious and you're troubled. You're asking me if I care about you? Really? I just walked several miles to come see you. I left my father's side, remember, to take on human flesh. I'm about to die in your place. Like, Martha, how'd that thought even get in your head, sis? How do we get to a place where we question if God cares about our current circumstances? Of course, Jesus cares about Martha's circumstances, about yours, about mine. Here's what we see in Martha, and we see it often in ourselves. Busyness makes me anxious. Just the the natural outflow, the natural process, busyness, if I'm busy, 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 serving, 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 busy, 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 it just naturally makes you uptight, anxious, or that good southern word, ornery. You just get kind of ornery when you're super busy, right? So here's why. It's the design of the world. To be, so uh, you were created to need rest in Christ. You were created to need idle time thinking about and focusing on Jesus. All of us need that. Uh, I am to work hard at my job, man. Work my tail off, come home, give my kids my best energy, put them to bed, then engage my wife in conversation, check on her heart. So going to bed tired is not the problem today. Okay, that's, that's not what we're getting at. Avoiding hard work is not the solution today. Okay, the solution includes really taking or making time and creating space to sit at Jesus' feet most every day. Um, throughout Luke, the book that we're in today, we see Jesus go to a desolate place to pray and be alone with the Father, to rest and recharge at the throne, right? Uh, Jesus tells Martha that she's anxious. And we're an anxious bunch, so this that, that warning should really hit us uh, squarely today. So, you know, worry, anxiety is a uniquely modern condition. We live, in, we live in an anxious age. So the question becomes why, right? Like in this time of financial prosperity, scientific and technological advancement, longer lives, more comfort, what are we so worried about? Uh, I know we like to blame the Rona for everything right now, but like worry was pretty pervasive before COVID got here. So your anxiety... Your worry is smoke. Okay, follow that smoke and it'll lead you to the fire, the problem of what's really going on. Oftentimes, I would say almost every time, it's an issue with identity in Christ. So ask, you know, answer this question for yourself. Where do you find your sense of self, uh, your identity, your value? If you find your identity and your value in your job or in your marriage or in your single, whatever it is, uh, how hard you work, like maybe Martha did, uh, how good you are, you're gonna, you're gonna find You're going to have to keep working harder, keep being better, and making more just to get by. So it becomes this, that's that's why it's exhausting. Keep going, keep going, and you never find the bottom. But what we really need to do is reorient our lives to where we focus on Jesus. Because when we focus on Jesus, we see the gospel. And when we see the gospel, we understand who we are in Christ. That we are of infinite value because God says so. Okay, that we don't have to do more to be forgiven or to somehow achieve peace with God, but it's all about his love for us. And we realize that we live from victory, not for victory. Um, In verse 42, Jesus said, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen, interesting word, the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So what is this one thing? And like, how do I choose the good portion? I, I want the good portion. I don't want to be stressed and anxious and worried. I don't want to be distracted by the technology and the dailiness of life. So what's that good portion look like? I want the good portion. So my third observation today is I need 
Localize it in your schedule and your heart. I need to reorient my attention onto Jesus. Okay? Um, away from my problems and my this and my that and my attention onto Jesus. I choose that word specifically because your attention has never been more sought after. Okay, by the technologies, there, there are geniuses trying to figure out how to get more of your attention. And so Jesus said that the person who abides in him, not the one who has the fullest schedule or does the most activities or serves in the most ministries, but the one who abides in him will bear much fruit. But like how, right? Like how do we re- reorient our attention on the Jesus? It's outside of our modern nature. It really is. We're so bound up. So, so how do we begin to reorient our lives away from busyness and distractions and toward communing with Jesus and his spirit regularly? First, and again, this is a continuation of a couple of weeks ago, uh, but first we need to make time for Jesus. Make time. Y'all, I get it. Man, I love TV. I, I love Twitter. I know it's successful, but I love Twitter. My wife catches me on the couch giggling often as I scroll through, okay? I have kids. I got a busy job. So if I don't make time for Jesus, that naturally goes to the back burner, okay? Contrary to popular belief, it's not just that I read my Bible all day and then show up on Sundays. There's like all kind of stuff to do all the time. And so, that, so I don't want that kind of life where Jesus falls to the back burner and everything else takes precedent. I, that's, that's not what I want. So I got to make time. I want the good portion. So, you know, we were talking about some of this in our city group at Chaz's house a couple of weeks ago. And uh, something my mentor told me um, years ago, and it didn't sit well with me then. It actually kind of ticked me off in the the context. And y'all don't tell him this, but he was absolutely right. Okay. He said Jesus was a morning person. Jesus was a morning person. So when it comes to making time for Jesus and following his example, Jesus was a morning person. So could it be? That us watching screens too late at night and us not reading the Bible early in the morning are connecting data points. Sorry, step on your toes if I'm doing that. I know we got all kind of different schedules that might be a general, too general. Um, but could it be that those two things are connected in our lives? That we're staying up too late watching different things and not getting up early to really enjoy the good portion. You know, uh, your phone is great if you want to stay on top of things, but it's terrible if you want to get under things. So. If you want to stay on top of the weather for the next 10 days and how many COVID cases were in Buffalo, New York yesterday and text and notification, you want to stay out on top of stuff, your phone's great for that. It was designed to keep your attention. Like I mentioned a second ago, there are companies spending billions of dollars trying to keep your attention for just a few more minutes every single night. Uh, that's why Netflix uh, plays the next episode five seconds. You can't even find the remote and Netflix is already going with the next episode. That's on purpose. That is by design. But if you really want to get under... Why you keep struggling with that same sin? You really want to get under why you get anxious when your mom comes to your house, okay? Your phone's not going to help you with that. So distractions abound. Busyness is natural. And so you'll never regret making time for Jesus. You'll never regret it. We need time in stillness with Jesus. We need time sitting at his feet. So are you willing to be still long enough to hear Jesus speak? Uh, And... So some of you, when it comes to, you're like, the Bible's kind of complicated. I started reading Judges and like, I don't know, maybe I'll just hear what you say on Sundays. Okay, so the, the Bible is a very complicated book. And in other sermons, I've addressed like kind of step-by-step how to start reading the Bible. So please, if, if you're like, I don't know where to start, come find me after and we'll talk all the way through it. would love to kind of start teaching you how. Another way 
in city group, we talk about this all the time. Every city group, if you want to go and learn how to, because uh, reading the Bible, it's more than just, like, if you, if you go from, I've never read the Bible, to I'm going to start reading it every day, it's, you might need more than one conversation with me, okay? So a city group is a great way to, like, start entering into community with other mature believers who can go, you know, I've read that before, too. I didn't get it either. Let's find the answer together kind of thing. So uh, reading the Bible every day. Most days, I'll give you a break, most days is the primary way that God speaks today. And so one thing I don't want to do with this sermon, like let's not give Martha a bad rap here. Okay, Martha is not like this sinister, selfish character in the Bible. Okay, Martha loves Jesus. She really does. Martha it was a really good Christian woman. Okay, this is not a love issue. This is a practical issue. It wasn't that Martha didn't want to sit and listen to Jesus. She just thought she didn't have time. Like, I want to sit and read the Bible and pray for 15, 20 minutes every morning, but I just, I just don't have time, right? So we just have to stop and reorient our sights on a Jesus. We've got to make time. So second application today, and this is more of a heart question, more of an understanding, identity question. Like, what does Jesus want? Like, so does Jesus want Martha to make a mean lentil soup and stay out of the living room? Does Jesus, does he really want that hummus and veggie platter she's making to be on point or for Martha to come and enjoy a, a relationship with him? Right, so what does Jesus want for you? Right? Um, we have a rule here that you cannot serve in more than two Redemption City ministries. You, you cannot. I am determined to not burn y'all out. Okay, I am resolute on y'all not being so busy with the stuff that we do that you miss Jesus teaching in the living room, okay? So, like even this morning, I'll take Chaz as an example. Chaz comes early to set up and he hosts a city group. That's it. Chaz is now maxed out. He can't do anything else. That's enough. And again, those two things that I'm listing, they're great things. We gotta have it. It's amazing. It's disciple making. It, it sets us up so we can worship God. It's amazing. But once we do more and more and more, all of a sudden we lose track and we just, things get off kilter. So, because at the end of the day, Martha was not doing anything bad, but she was just being pulled away from what was better. And that's the choice that we often have when it comes to serving Jesus is staying focused. You know, we, we can live lives where we actually enjoy walking with Jesus. We really can. Where it doesn't always feel like this, he's mad at me. Oh, what's Jesus think about, you know, my, my, my pastor has a saying, he says, what people aren't up on, they're down on. It's a jackism. So what people aren't up on, they're down on. So if you're not up on God's love and always remi- constantly reminded he's for you, he loves you, he wants you, it's easy to go, he's mad at me, right? So there's just something about realizing this new mercy every morning and God reminding you who he is and who you are that just is so life-giving. Um, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So are you weary? Are you distracted? Are you busy? Are you anxious? Man, come to Jesus. Jesus' invitation is for you this morning. So come to him, you know, in your heart. Come to him physically, whatever it looks like. Uh, God wants you to cast all your anxieties and cares and worries on him. God truly delights when you share your burdens with him. 